0: Hey there, Smodcast supporters and listeners. It's your old pal, Fat Kev Smith. Uh, Guess what, man? Uh, It's that season. We're done making movies. We've made some movies back to back, so now we're hitting the road with some shows. That's right, man. A Smodco show is heading your way, and I'm here to give you some dates for that before we dive into this week's new episode of whatever podcast you're about to listen to of the 96 that I record daily. March 13th, Babble at the Improv again in Melrose. March 14th, there's a Evening with Kevin Smith QA and a Jane, Silent, Bob, Get Old in Tempe, Arizona at the Tempe Improv. Uh, March 27th, uh, once again, uh, we're back at the Improv on Melrose, but we're doing Jane, Silent, Bob, Get Old at the Improv this time. March 28th, we're doing Edumication, me and Andy McElfish uh, at the Ice House in Pasadena. On April 4th, we're doing Jane, Silent, Bob, Get Old in Ontario, California at the Ontario Improv. Uh, on. April 11th, we're doing Jane Sall Bob Get Old and a Q&A at the Brea Improv. Uh, April 17th, I'm doing Why Bri with Brian Johnson, um, and doing a Evening with Kevin Smith Q&A at the Fort Lauderdale Improv. Uh, April 18th, doing Why Bry and Evening with Kevin Smith at the uh, Palm Beach Improv in Florida. And then April 19th, we're doing Why Bry in Orlando. That's when I go see my mom. Anyway, there's a bunch of shows. If you're in those neck of the woods, Vancouver, Seattle, Hollywood, Pasadena. Arizona, Tempe, Arizona, uh, Ontario, California, Brea, California, Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, Orlando, Florida. Come see a co show. Tickets, as always, available at csmod.com. And now, a free Smodco podcast for your ear pussy
1: news reviews
0: commentary. commentary not just another podcast i ordinary big ball broadcast. broadcast
1: insert random joke here now here comes your host kyle, kyle abert of the world steve
2: welcome to the big ball broadcast episode 15 all the geeky news you can use coming at you from the west coast my name is kyle abert i'm an anime and video game voice actor
1: and your co-host from the east coast and the world steve and i'm your co-host from the east coast
2: that's right, uh, and uh, as we... Uh, God, it's already fucking March, man, isn't it? It's like the Ides of March. Beware
0: the Ides of March. March Madness.
2: Ah, oh, and I'm forgetting my history. What are the Ides again, <laughs> besides an Iron Maiden song?
1: Uh, I believe it's the 5th of March.
2: Ooh, the, as that opposed was, no, to the 5th, uh, remember, remember, the 5th of November. Uh,
1: but, that was yeah. the day uh, Julius Caesar was assassinated by the Senate. Oh, et tu, Brute. Okay. See a little bit of history, a little bit of class on the show tonight.
2: <laughs> and that's about all you get. We're going to just fuck the history books. Now, and uh, now that our complete value to the community has uh has been validated, we're not going to toss that all aside and talk about the really non-important shit. Uh a first thing I think we need to acknowledge here is the passing of a legend uh in pop culture, not just sci-fi and geekdom, but just a uh, just a legend that everyone knows, even even if you weren't into star Trek and weren't into uh, things of that ilk rest in peace. Mr. Leonard Nimoy died on February 27th from complications from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And this is a condition that he attributed to a smoking habit that he gave up 30 years ago. And um, his prolific career expanded beyond the big screen. Of course, he's known for being Spock, uh, but it also has achievements in photography, directing films, Uh, hit films like three men and a baby, um, writing and music, even dabbled in voiceover. Uh, he was in Disney's Atlantis, star Trek online, of course, (laughs) kingdom hearts, birth by sleep and in the transformers universe in the 86 animated movie and Michael Bay's dark of the moon film and the Bilbo Baggins song says, uh, Robert J in our chat. Yeah. Can't forget that.
1: I'll tell you my favorite Nimoy thing ever. And, uh, you were you're an 80s kid. You might have remembered this. It was a show called Standby Lights, Camera, Action.
2: Oh, God, yeah. That was amazing on Nickelodeon on Saturday mornings.
1: On Nickelodeon on Saturday mornings. It ran from May of uh, 82 to December of 87, covered a bunch of topics about behind-the-scenes filmmaking, interviewing uh, crew and cast members, and uh, even up to, like, script writing. And it, it was an absolutely amazing show. And uh, as a, a young kid, it was, uh, it was very eye opening to kind of see for the first time somebody walking you through the process of how films were made. And I've been enamored ever since. So I, uh, tip my hat and sip a drink in the memory of, uh, Mr. Nimoy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I also used to watch a show called In Search of, which was, uh, him basically narrating, you know, the, uh, these investigations into the paranormal, the unknown, UFOs. Loch Ness Monster, Dracula, all the, all this stuff. And it was fascinating and kind of creepy as a kid watching all this stuff in like three or four in the morning. But I had to watch because, Hey, that's Mr.
1: Spock. It's like ancient aliens, all this shit that doesn't exist, but we're going to pad for an hour.
2: (laughs) Yeah. You got to love the big seventies hair too. It's amazing. Maybe not compared to the ain't the aliens dude on the like, I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. Okay. So his fro is not as amazing. But, um, well, it is kind of amazing in its own right, but not compared to Nostalgia Bomb that is the 70s Mr. Spock Leonard Nimoy.
1: Now, I get a trip into the dark and depressing. We're just a second here, but, you know, it, it makes me wonder if William Shatner is kind of, you know, checking under his bed and looking in the closet at night now, looking out for the Grim Reaper, because it's, it's got to be a little... uh disheartening when when you start losing cast members from uh, that very prolific show that they were all involved in and all around like the same age group so you start seeing people dropping and and you start thinking huh how much time do i have left on this planet (laughs) well that's the thing
2: he has a, a contract with satan because he is stronger than ever his voice is strong his his wits are all there and he's like 83 right he's he's like the same age as leonard nimoy was and he hasn 't had the bevy of health issues that uh poor leonard was was uh, was was riddled with over the past few years, so every time you 'd hear that 's like, "Oh, I got admitted into the hospital for chest pain's like, "Oh God, oh God, oh God, no no, please,
1: and you know it 's sad because Unfortunately, in this day of social media, we get this information relatively quickly, uh, through various sources. And as we were getting to record last week, I saw it come up in my, uh, feed and Facebook that Leonard Nimoy had been in, admitted to the hospital with, uh, chronic chest pains. And I let it go because I figured, ah, you know, as you said, he, he's had numerous scares in the past and there really didn't seem to be a point in bringing it up. And then just a couple of days later, he passed. So.
2: Yeah, yeah, but, uh, we're gonna miss him. Uh, it's a, it's an important, uh, a big loss to, uh, the geek world, the pop culture world, and all that. So, um, uh, great, uh, condolences and, uh, sympathy and regards and positive vibes to his family. And of course, uh, you know, all the love from the fans around the world. Um, a friend of mine, Bobby Scarborough, um, who's on the convention circuit, uh, in the Arkansas area, he started a petition with NASA to name a star after Leonard Nimoy. And uh he wanted to update that just like after maybe a thousand signatures or something to to alter that petition to happily have, have a constellation and have the constellation have stars within it named after the various people who've passed, like Gene Roddenberry, Majel Barrett, and now Leonard Nimoy, and of course, James Doohan and, and so forth.
1: Wow, that'd be pretty amazing. Just yes. have that conference that constant reference up in the sky. Yeah. That a real badass idea. Um please tell me you're gonna share that link in the show notes.
2: I'm totally gonna share the link in the show notes. Uh so go to smodcast.com and look at our main page for the Big Ball broadcast and look at the show notes for episode fifteen. You'll see a link to sign the petition to um uh, to honor Mr. Spock and Leonard Nimoy in the best possible way. So, what do we got to talk about, man? We got we got a shit ton. We have too much to talk about. (laughs) Well, I know how how you do things. Our version of Show Prep is having 80,000 browsers open. Now, what I do is I use Evernote, which is a free note-taking app, and I copy-paste what I want to say about topics onto a new note page there. But you actually have the original tabs open on your browser. So, it's, it's almost like playing Wheel of Fortune.
1: I have multiple tabs open um, to the point where I can barely read some of the, the titles on the tops of the tabs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you should just open one up at random because, <laughs> you know, heaven forbid we have a format. <laughs> fuck formats. <laughs> That's right. Fuck agendas. Fuck all that. We just got a lot of sh- uh, shit, a ton of uh, geeky news we want to tell you about. And Steve, you might as well just pick one at random here.
1: It's all really good stuff. I do have to start by saying that. Um, here we'll, we'll start our segment of the everything old is new again. Apparently Disney XD is going to be rebooting DuckTales. Uh, it's slated for a 2017 launch. And I know DuckTales, it's, it's a favorite for a lot of kids who grew up watching it from that, uh, 1987 to 1990s era. Mm-hmm. So as part of the, the new, uh, launch, it's going to be produced by Disney Television Animation and uh, DuckTales is again going to star its iconic major characters Scrooge McDuck, his grandnephews Huey, Dewey and Louie and Donald Duck. A Bunch of your old favorites coming back as well such as Duckworth, Giro Giro, Giro <laughs> Gyro Gearloose. Say that 10 times fast. Uh who was my favorite? That was that was my favorite character on that show. Launchpad McQuack, uh Flintheart Uh, Ma Beagle and the Beagle Boys, of course, Mrs. Beakley, they're all coming back, and uh, I don't know how this is going to look. We don't have a lot of information, so I don't know if it's going to be hand-drawn like the old series, which I kind of doubt. I'm leaning more towards the CG approach. But uh, in its heyday, it was a great show. I, I enjoyed the hell out of it, and I'm hoping they bring some of that charm and wit and character back in this iteration.
2: I'm wondering if this wasn't part of Disney's plan when they did bring back the remastered game last year and what a, what a buzz that caused. Uh, Mr. Haru in our chat says, I'm only concerned about the voice actor of Scrooge because the voice actors age. He did an excellent job in the DuckTales remastered game though. So that just came out of nowhere. People just lost their shit. It's like really awesome remastered DuckTales game. And now, you have a, a new animated series, Greenlit, and that just gives me hope that other things that meant a lot to us in the past few decades will happen. Like, I personally am champion, championing, uh, Warner Brothers to bring back Animaniacs. That would make me beyond happy.
1: Animaniacs was great because kind of in the tradition of the majority of the Warner Brothers cartoons that uh, came before it, it poked a lot of fun at pop culture and and current celebrity and everything. And it's kind of interesting. If, if I watch Animaniacs with my kids now, they don't catch those cultural references, but I still giggle my ass off. And, uh, you know, they get a little dirty at times, too, with fingerprints. I'm not going to go into details looking up any <laughs> kids. Um, but Um Yeah, that was a great show. Another great show, this show I absolutely adored in my childhood, was Inspector Gadget. Um, I'm sure you remember that. You, you had, uh, Don Adams voicing, uh, Inspector Gadget. That was a great show. And, uh, unfortunately, I guess for the masses, it's coming back and it's going to be called Inspector Gadget 2.0 and it's coming directly to Netflix. Now, of course, uh, Don Adams has passed. Now, I guess the word on the street was, Don Adams had actually had a conversation with a voice actor about, you know, if anything ever happened to me, you would be the ideal Gadget to take over. And the voice actor he was referring to was Maurice LaMarche. Now, unfortunately, Mr. LaMarche will not be voicing Inspector Gadget. It's going to be Ivan Sherry and Tara Strong will be voicing Penny. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I can't say I'm too excited. This is coming uh, totally cg there's no hand drawn animation in that. Now, the, the the additional horrific news on on the heels of this announcement is that Netflix is also working on new Care Bears, Magic School Bus, and Playmobile inspired cartoons. So.
2: <laughs> well, you know, however you feel about each of those properties, whether it's like ah, I don't care or I I I didn't I'm not a, I just don't give a shit. At least. Thing uh, pr- progress is happening on, on the front as we as we see these new online networks, the Netflixes of the world, the Amazons, and, and and people doing original content. Finally, some new stuff. We got Alan S in the chat's excited about New Magic School Bus. I'm
1: like, i like, I don't even know what that show is, guys. I'm old. Alan S in the chat also asks, "Why is everything getting rebooted?" <laughs> because it makes money.
2: Because apparently. Um, people do, um, love a good nostalgia bomb, but, you know, I think it gets misinterpreted when, when Hollywood thinks, oh, you know, those people are longing to see that they don't understand the disconnect to say, we don't want to see it changed and modernized. We like it in its original form, but, um, I realize I sound like a hypocrite because I do want animaniacs to come back. And I realize that those things are. You know, there's dated humor and all that, but I, I I liken it back to Looney Tunes. There's a lot of stuff in the 40s and 50s, a lot of in-jokes, a lot of celebs, uh, you know, things that went over all the kids' heads. I could watch classic Looney Tunes today and go, who the fuck are they parodying here? What is that a reference to? I still to this day don't know. But, you know, our parents and our grandparents got it, and they appreciated it.
1: But admittedly, they had some really bad reboots as well. They had a couple series that premiered and just were horrific. I remember back in the the last iteration of the Big Ball broadcast, there was a show that came out where there was kind of like the uh, superhero versions of Bugs and Babs. and and
2: Lunatics, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was just, it was horrible.
2: Yeah, you want to watch something horrifically bad, type in Lunatics, uh, spelled L-O-O-N-A-T-I-X, I I believe. Uh, This was a, yeah superhero version, kind of dark and serious, you know, not knocking the voice talent here because I'm a voice (laughs) actor, but you know, it's like the idea was just really, really weak and Ooh, it's just painful.
1: And I get why they do it. I mean, it's it's tried and true. It's things that have uh, had a very successful proven track record. So yeah, why not jump on board with that and put it out? Uh, It's certainly in Hollywood's eyes, I guess, anyway, Beats taking a chance with a lot of money on, on a project that could fail miserably. But, you know, I think they have to acknowledge that even rebooting something could fail miserably.
2: Yeah. Uh, Inspector Gadget had kind of a reboot in the live action realm. You had uh, Matthew Broderick, you know, Disney and actually made some money so much that they had a direct to video sequel that didn't have Matthew Broderick and completely disappeared into oblivion. Um, I'm wondering if they'll bring back Frank Welker as, as
1: Dr. Claw. Oh yeah. So, uh, what I didn't mention, I, I should mention this, uh, the premise for the show is that Dr. Claw, I guess, uh, at, edit- He pulls a Captain America. He ends up becoming frozen in ice in the Arctic, and he ends up thawing out. And because he thaws out and and brings his evil criminal empire back, Inspector Gadget is forced to come out of retirement. So that's the premise of this new iteration on Netflix.
2: Aha. Very interesting. Well, I want to take a look at uh, some scoop I dug up. I got some release dates here. Um, for some, some, some things, some folks in the genre world might be interested in grabbing, uh, a, a movie from Down Under, I do believe, uh, called The Babadook, which is a horror movie made a big splash for, for critics and, uh, fans alike. Uh, that is finally coming on video April 14th. You get a brand spanking new Escape from New York collector's edition on April 21st. This is a new 2K HD scan. It's got a new audio commentary from Adrian Barbeau and director of photography Dean Kundi the previously released John Carpenter and Kurt Russell commentary, all new behind-the-scenes features, and more. And, of course, now to tie in with the new Mad Max Fury Road, you're going to get the original Mel Gibson classic, Mad Max Collector's Edition, out on May 5th. May 12th, Batman Unlimited Animal Instincts, a remastered definitive collection of the uh, classic Battlestar Galactica series from the late 70s. Uh, May 19th, if anyone gives a shit, Jupiter Ascending, Yeah, no one? Okay, I heard crickets. All right, yeah. Uh, And um, all of that stuff's coming soon. Uh, I usually go to highdefdigest.com for my release list if you guys are interested in seeing what else is coming out. Hunger Games, Mockingjay, and everything else. In the last episode, I covered a bunch of uh, uh, new things coming out as well.
1: I do like me some Escape from New York. That's probably the title I think I'm most excited for on that list.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, and I'm trying to think, and in my massive collection of, of DVDs and Blu-rays, do I have Escape from New York? Because it seems like they put out a new edition every few years. But it's like, no, 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 seriously, this is the definitive one. This is the one to have. I'm like, uh, uh-huh, okay, sure. Now, so how come it's a 2K scan, not a 4K scan? Are we gonna get a 4K scan 10 years from now? When TVs are 8K? Hmm.
1: No, that'll happen two years from now. Oh,
2: okay. All right. Well, yeah, we're, we're all suckers for double dips. Have you ever fallen prey to that, man, where you like bought something and then they double dip and put out another special edition. And you say, all right, well, I guess I'll go trade in the old one and, and upgrade.
1: Never, never. Um, I've found creative ways to get around it when I was collecting the first run of Full Metal Alchemist from Funimation, the first season I didn't get the collector's tin. So I found some you know, intrepid youth on eBay who was willing to part just with the tin. So there you go. There was no difference with the content and the DVDs. So I, I just bought the tin and stuffed my DVDs in there. And I've done that with some other things as well. Um, but to double dip, to, to own something and then go out and buy it again just for some extras, absolutely not.
2: Oh, all right. So I'm looking at our uh, our list of of uh, a wide range of topics tonight. I gotta know, man, what is the wank band?
1: The wank band is is not a recording artist or a group of recording artists.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, what the wank band is is possibly the most brilliant use of renewable energy ever. Um, <laughs> I can tout that from the mountaintops. okay
2: Uh, um, so this is not a fitness thing right
1: it it resembles a fitness tracker um i'll I'll read the official description and i'll let everybody kind of come to their own conclusion here (laughs) that that pun will be funny in a minute the wank band which resembles a fitness track tracker uses a small kinetic charger built into the band to generate and store electricity created by motion specifically the motion that is usually done while watching porn and, you know, it's even funnier than that, because to encourage users to save energy by using their wank bands, Pornhub is creating a, quote, wanking warriors program to offer special rewards.
2: Are we sure that this isn't a fake thing? <laughs>
1: Pornhub is uh, – they're, they're advertising the crap out of this. There's a video on YouTube entitled Wank Band. So if you want to check it out, the, the video is surprisingly safe for work. It just kind of gives you a little bit more information about the product and some of the uh, perks being offered through Pornhub. And I'm uh, looking at a picture on topless robot, and, yeah, it really does look like a fitness band. Well, I, I, I guess there's calories to be burned. Um, I mean, me if you're going to a- burn energy walking or doing squats and your, your band's tracking all that, then, I mean, why not?
2: <laughs> now they're going to make one for the ladies, because you know we don't want to discriminate here.
1: Well, you know that's what's interesting about this this uh, announcement is it, it's not gender specific. So I wonder if you could, and I'm going to try to say this in the most tender way possible. Um, I wonder if you could generate motions that would allow the product to work.
2: Well, female masturbation is pretty much like scratching like a DJ record, you know, like just diddling. It's just like the little circles and everything. So it's like
1: I, mean, I uh I wouldn't consider myself a porn connoisseur, but I I've seen enough, I think, um, to have more than a basic understanding. The thing about all right, now we're just gonna get really fucked up here on this topic. Um guys kind of get the shaft. <laughs> That's another pun. see
2: day. what you did there.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oops. Um, there, there's really only one way for guys to masturbate. It's kind of just grip and tug until you're done. Women have multiple ways and, and there's tons of videos to prove that. <laughs> but There's, not, <laughs> there's entire
2: is- instruction manuals written like the size of phone books. How to how a woman's uh, plumbing works.
1: I've seen everything from toys to pillows to bedposts to just the hands. There's just a litany of, of ways for women to get off. And, and sometimes I kind of feel cheated being born a male because it's like, wow, if I had all these different ways to do it, it would never get boring. Uh, not that it really get, ever gets boring, but
2: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, my, my fear is if your woman is like, loving all this this vibration function and all this shit that humans can't do. It's like you become dependent on that, right? And then suddenly, oh, I, I'm inadequate as a dude.
1: I think we're all inadequate because uh psychologists will tell you, the best orgasm is the one you give yourself. You know how to please yourself better than anybody else. Not that it isn't fun to have somebody else get you off, but um I, I think women are are Settling anytime they have sex with a guy or, or, or even with a female partner. I think you're just settling because you could do it better to yourself.
2: That's right. It's like, oh here, just put your hands away. Let just let me do it. God. Oh, could just we could save an hour. Just let me figure this out. God damn. Uh I guess we should bring it back around to geek shit, right? And they, have you guys seen the Avengers themed dildos? Because they exist. It's not a Marvel sanctioned product, but uh they exist.
1: I've seen a bunch of superhero-based uh, marrow aids, if you want to call them that. It's it's ingenious, I think. I love mashups. I love when you can take a product and mash it up with something else and create something relatively new. So more power to them.
2: Yeah. Hero004 in the tra- chat said, Oh, trust me, geeks and masturbating are very related. Yeah, yeah, that that's a safe thing. It's usually a point of contention for uh, critics to pick on us, It's like, oh, you guys just sit in a, a basement and jack off all day long. It's like, uh, no, well, we only do that half the day.
1: I was going to say, right, just half the day, because you get media games to play, and if you do websites, you're doing coding or whatever. So it's not like uh, you're constantly playing with your joystick.
2: No, no. I mean, because you're going to make a mess and get it all over the keyboard, and then you can't even start surfing the net. And we can't live without our net.
1: No, because the internet is for porn.
2: It's for porn. That's right. In sports. But I don't give a fuck about that. I know you do, Steve. Uh.
1: I only care about football. And more specifically, I only care about the Patriots. And uh I, I used to really enjoy watching the Red Sox. When both my kids were born, it became kind of a tradition in the house to – um I was working overnights at the time. So I would give them their evening bottle while watching that evening's uh, Red Sox game. And then, when the game was over, I'd go to work, so but not so much anymore, but now it's primarily the Patriots, and yeah, you know if you can't appreciate that, then go fuck yourself.
2: <laughs> I like that. That's a great tweet. We should just put that out there. If you don't like that, go fuck yourself
1: well go fuck yourself with the Wank band
2: right, right. Just just buy stock in the Wank band and see if see if we actually do our civic duty and bring out
1: there. On a pretty serious note, if you or somebody you know owns or or plans to buy a wank band, please tweet us at BB Broadcast, because I'd love to follow up with this. I'd love to talk a little bit more in depth about the pros and cons of using a wank band.
2: The Big Ball Broadcast at gmail.com. If you are not a social media person, but at BB Broadcast is definitely the best way, the fastest way to rest assured that your comments will be seen. Um... So, I'm looking here. Let's see. HBO Go. So, coming soon, it's going to be a pay-as-you-go service. So, you don't no longer need cable credentials. However, if you want to have HBO Go on your PS4, that has finally happened. A year ago, it was launched on PS3. But now, you can watch it on your next-gen console. But the downside, the kicker is you do still have to log in with cable credentials. So, this does not apply to cable uh, cord cutters. But um, we'll see. I mean... Um, I forgot to dig up when the launch of HBO Go as a standalone service actually is happening, but it is happening and that's going to that's going to shake up the industry.
1: What befuddles me a little bit, and maybe I'm missing something and you can explain it. If this is only viable for cable subscribers, then obviously you'd have to have cable in order to enjoy use of this app. What the fuck is the difference between watching it through the PlayStation or just shutting the goddamn PlayStation off and turning on HBO on your cable box?
2: Exactly. Um, and you know, you have to have that as well for smartphone apps. It's like, there's all these great apps that you can have on your phone. And when you're out and about, if you wanted to use, be a data hog and use tons of, you know, watching video on the go, you can, but yeah, you got to be a slave to the thing. And that's, you know, the, the cable companies, I guess, concession to, to not, uh, cannibalize their own business model.
1: Robert J in the chat says Comcast doesn't let um U.S. PlayStation users have HBO Go. And for me, it's even a bigger fuck you because my cable provider is Comcast, so I don't know. This one seems a little more gimmicky than, than some of the other um cable channel providers making their content available, and especially cutting that tether and saying you don't have to be a customer to use our app. You, you have to pay whatever the monthly fee is. Um, I don't get the thing with HBO because HBO, from what I understand, is just making money hand over fist with some of the really great programming that they have. So why not get it out to a bigger market?
2: Mm hmm. Now, Hero 004 says HBO Go has all the episodes of their shows and a whole library of films available. So it's kind of like their own Netflix within that, that program or within that, within that service. So it offers on demand and everything. Um, I'm okay, sure that,
1: that, it certainly makes it more appealing to somebody like me Then, if, yeah. if you, if you have access to all that back content, um, and you want to binge watch something, there's a lot of shows on this I haven't watched, so yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah. There, there's certain things that, um, that aren't available on the mainstream or the biggest one, like, you know, Amazon or sorry, Netflix, but others are available on Amazon, and then others are now through HBO. So, I mean, everyone's, of course, in competition with each other. Let's see. Uh, sticking on that, uh, that, that video game thing, I want to throw out there that Mortal Kombat X is coming soon uh, to current-gen and next-gen consoles, but also to iOS and Android. And the difference will be the fact that the Mortal Kombat X game for your smartphone or your tablet will be a fighting-slash-trading-card-battler-hybrid mobile game. Uh, so, um, the console and PC versions of Mortal Kombat X will be out, out on April 14th, and, uh, the owners of those games will be able to unlock new content within the mobile game and vice versa by signing up for a Warner Brothers Play account and unlocking achievements. Now, um, I'm trying to remember, Steve, are you a big Mortal Kombat guy?
1: You know, I dig Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat, unfortunately, you know, it, it's been recycled and repackaged so many times, you can't help but get numb. It's kind of like, um, The sports enthusiasts out there will know what I'm talking about, but like a a game like Madden, a franchise like that, where every year you can only upgrade the the uh, visuals or the playability so much, so you're buying the $60 game every year, essentially just with an updated roster, and it's kind of what Mortal Kombat sort of feeling like after a while. Now I was a fan of Mortal Kombat essentially from day one. That I don't think the kids today get how shocking it was. For an arcade game to come out like that, to be that brutally violent and have blood and fatalities, it was unheard of prior to that, Um, certainly mainstream anyways in the United States. So that was a really big deal, and we all jumped on board that, and we played the fuck out of it on Nintendo and Super Nintendo and all the consoles that came out. Um here's my question for you though, because you get out to a lot more conventions uh than I do. Now we know games like Street Fighter and Tekken are big on the tournament scene. Yeah. Is there a, a combat scene going on? Or do people play Mortal Kombat tournaments?
2: Not that I'm aware of. I mean I'm sure there there's competitions, but they're not they aren't as advertised as other things. I mean, even things like League of Legends, the the free online RPG, which I've done some voices for. Uh that thing's huge. That thing's a juggernaut. Um Tournaments are, are all over the place for that. And of course, there's, you know, in the past, there's been Halo events and, and whatnot. I'm sure there's going to be, you know, Call of Duty, this, that, and the other. I have not heard about Mortal Kombat, but it does have its fandom. And, you know, like with other benchmark franchise series, anytime they start deviating from the original formula, I mean, I guess it's cool that they're, they're taking a gamble trying to, to deliver it in new different ways, whether it's 3D or, or changing it into a, a 2D adventure game or, or adding things but the fans were just like you know just go back to the original thing i remember castlevania back in the days you know, on the nintendo super nintendo it was just great side scrolling you know 8 bit whatnot. it was just bliss loved it and then you get into the ps2 era and they want to they want to change it they want to make it 3d they want to make uh you know have alucard or, or you know everybody just just run around uh in in like in third person adventures and it's like suddenly it's like lost its way and I'm worried about them deviating too much. I love just a good straightforward fighter. Let let's not take it out of its original element and try to make it something it's not, you know?
1: I think that was kind of the big deal years back with um the Mega Man DLC game that um really emulated the original ape era and it had the right amount of characterization and um the difficulty were certainly on par with the early Mega Man games. And people raved the shit out of that. They, they really loved it, and, and they loved that the developers would cater to that audience. Now, it brings up the question again about nostalgia versus sales. How nostalgic can you get? Because that audience that was playing these games... In the 80s, they, you're older, more bitter, you're more like Otherworld Steve. And
0: uh
1: <laughs> you just don't have the time or, or the dedication to really give a shit. And I wonder if the, the younger audience says, Oh yeah, Mega Man, or oh yeah, Castlevania, you know, and, and I want it to be 16-bit side scrolling. Or, you know, are, are the youth today more it's gonna be shiny, billions of polygons, 3D interactivity, and all this. Uh, I think for me, anyway, that's that's the question I'd like to have answered.
2: Ah, uh, yes, I um, I myself have only voice acted in in fighting games, like like I'm you know, Ryu in Street Fighter. I'm like in a, a custom voice in in what the hell is it? <laughs> My favorite, it's Soul Calibur. Yeah, Soul Calibur Five. I haven't voiced anybody in Mortal Kombat, um, but I do enjoy it. And Injustice, which was mentioned in our chat room. As, uh, Mr. Haru said, uh, at Evo and MK go hand in hand, but mostly it's Injustice. That's uh, the newer game.
1: Now, Injustice, that's the fighting game, right?
2: Yeah, the fighting game on the Mortal Kombat engine. It's all DC stuff. All, all DC stuff. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. You know, I'm kind of surprised Marvel hasn't gone that route yet, but they did do the, um, Marvel versus, uh, Capcom. So oh, yeah, I guess God, they yeah. touched okay. there. Um, I'd like to see an all Marvel kind of polished fighting game. I think that could be really interesting. but <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, <was> <laughs> uh, I, I, I guess that's the one thing that DC beat Marvel to the punch with.
2: Yeah, now I'm thinking. You know, it'd be nice to see another Marvel versus Capcom game because, you know, as time goes on, this, this the Marvel Universe, cinematic universe, especially. Everything's front and center. I mean, you can play Marvel vs. Capcom and see Rocket Raccoon. He sounds nothing like Bradley Cooper. In fact, he has like an Australian accent or something. It's a completely different uh, take. But now, you know, you have all these upcoming characters. You could put all the Guardians of the Galaxy in there, Ant-Man, more Avengers, more this, that, and the other. Um, I think it'd be pretty exciting because one of my favorite games out of that whole fighting genre besides Soul Calibur, I even like it more than Street Fighter, is Marvel vs. Capcom 3.
1: You know, for years and years and years, we couldn't even get our hands on, uh, Marvel versus Capcom 2. It was such a limited run on the, uh, the PS2. The game was in, in such high demand. And I think that kind of helped boost the franchise, kind of helped boost, boost the reputation of that game that it was so in demand. Um, but yeah, uh, Cap, Capcom, Marvel versus Capcom 3. Was head and shoulders above anything they did prior to that. That became a big tournament circuit game for a while. So, yeah, more of that. Absolutely.
2: Mm. Let's talk about movies, Steve. Let's talk about, um, the least necessary sequel ever.
1: I started cringing over here. I'm like, I don't want to talk about movies because none of this is good news.
2: <laughs> well, it's okay. It's okay. We'll brace for it. Everybody brace for impact. This is, this is stuff you don't want to know, but you should know so you can not throw your money at that.
1: Dennis, uh, I want to say, Velenview, is in negotiations to direct a sequel to Blade Runner, with Harrison Ford uh, previously asked but now confirmed to be reprising his role as Rick Deckard. Uh, Ridley Scott, who directed the iconic 1982 sci-fi pick for Warner Brothers, is aboard to executive produce for Alcon Entertainment My first issue is bringing back Harrison Ford. I mean, hey, maybe I'll eat my words when I see the new Star Wars movie. It's like, shit, Ford still has it. But I saw the last Indiana Jones film and I'm still, you know, I'm still trying to get that sting off that wound from that experience. And we know that Ford's not going to be a predominant character in the new Star Wars film, but it sounds to me he's going to be pretty involved in this and, uh, that's already my first big red flag. And the second is, you know, again, is do we need this? Is anybody asking for this? Now, I know, Kyle, you've uh, seen the film probably in every iteration with every release available. Yep. And uh, did you ask for this? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> You're think... one fuckers saying, I need a part two to this. No.
2: No. This, this movie's beautifully done. It wraps up great. I prefer the director's cut, honestly, without the god-awful V.O. narration in it. You watch it in the The special features on the the special edition Blu-ray. You can hear the, uh, disdain in Harrison Ford's voice. They got some of the, the raw VO tracks as he's sitting there doing it. It's like his heart's just not in it. It's like the irony is that he's just, you know, so old and tired now that he probably would fit that role pretty easily. He's not going to really have to act now (laughs) because he's just like, I'm Rick Ducker. I'm I'm, going to look for replicants and, uh, yeah, whatever, but I need a paycheck.
1: And I wonder if he's going to limp from that leg fracture on the set of the new Star Wars film, which would be kind of, I guess, a little bit more funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so enough. this, uh, uh, sorry, this goes into production. They start filming, uh, around spring next year. So it's probably going to be probably around 2019 before you get to see this thing, which is ironic because that is the setting of the futuristic Los Angeles in the first film. So life imitating farts. I mean, art.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to doubt that it can look amazing with today's advances in CG or even the the move to go back to practical effects. Yeah, you're going to get a Blade Runner sequel that looks so much better than the original. But, you know, just because it's eye candy doesn't mean that the substance is there. Um You know, there was no sequel to the original story from Philip K. Dick. Uh, Ridley Scott is not directing it. I think he has a hand in producing it, but he has no direct hands on it. But but that that's not really a a um a selling point anymore because I was excited about Prometheus and he did not deliver on Prometheus at all.
1: You know, it's so funny because I think a lot of the the casual movie going audience forgets what the role of a producer is. And producer certainly by no means, as you said, means director, but for some reason people make that association. People still think the, the TMNT reboot was directed by Michael Bay, but it wasn't. It was only produced by Michael Bay. So, you know, I think having uh his name attached in, in the the production scope almost misleads some people. Because you know that's going to be the big headline on the poster, you know, produced by Ridley Scott. And very, very small in the fine part on the bottom is going to say directed by whoever I said earlier. So mm-hmm. It's almost like misleading advertising to sell your polished turd.
2: <laughs> what, what was the other, um, Brace for Impact bad movie news, or is it good?
1: Well, it, it technically isn't movie news, and I have much higher hopes for this. Okay. We've already seen, particularly, uh, via Disney, a lot of Star Wars. <clears throat> In Lego iteration and, and some of the short films I've seen, they're actually legitimately funny. And, and there are certain nods to the long time Star Wars fan. So in addition to Star Wars Rebels, uh, Disney has announced another animated Star Wars series on the horizon. This time, strictly in the style of Lego. And it's a six part mini series called Star Wars, Lego Star Wars Droid Tales. And it retells. The original prequel and the, the other respective, uh, three Star Wars films from the perspectives of C3PO and R2D2. And, uh, apparently it's going to start after the Battle of Endor and the droids telling their own version of the events to an assembled audience. So kind of like what we saw, um, C3PO doing at the end of, well, towards the end of Jedi telling the story of Star Wars. It, it's going to be like that but in much more detail in a Lego form. So I'll check it out at least once. I don't think I'm going to run out and necessarily buy the collected Blu-ray, but I'll check this out certainly when it airs on uh, Disney XD.
2: I just want them to address what happened to the guy who works for the Empire who said, you rebel scum. On Endor? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that dude went on like the convention scene and like, made lots of money selling his autographs and, and stuff. It's like, I was in Star Wars? Yeah? What'd you do? I'm the guy that says, Rebel Scum.
1: Oh, and yeah! Yeah, Disney Weekends, uh, uh, Star Wars Weekends at Disney, absolutely, why not?
2: Alan S. in our chat says he got blown up in the bunker. Well, yeah, I guess the Empire did have kind of a shitty day. You know, these 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 crack military uh, troops getting their ass handed to them by a bunch of teddy bears.
1: But you know, he probably has an action figure. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has an action figure in Star Wars Ice Cream Machine Man from uh, from Cloud City for, uh, has an action figure so why not? Oh, okay
2: I, I have movie news that no one's asking for Gran Turismo Yeah, we're going to turn that game into a movie uh, Tron Legacy director Joseph Kaczynski's name is being dropped as a possible helmer um, No other details at this time other than What the fuck? Uh, (laughs) why why would we why would we have that because the need for speed was so good guys you have no clue
1: i mean you know you have fast and furious and you know i uh i have seven fast and Furious. Was, well, I, I probably pooped on that series a lot. You know, if, if you look over my social media history and probably going back to the, the first iteration of the podcast, I, I probably pooped all over the series. But, you know, as I said, when I saw the, the Super Bowl commercial, uh, for the trailer, I was kind of impressed that the geek in me kind of got off on, on some of those really elaborate action sequences. So yeah, yeah. if, if you've already got that, it, it, this seems to be like the, uh, the sci-fi version of that, the sci-fi network version of that.
2: Yeah. I I I have no interest in that. I just want Joe Kaczynski to finish up Tron 3 because I know it wasn't that big of a hit, and I know people are really split on uh its artistic merit. It's like, well, it looks pretty, but the, the story's all over the place. I'm one of the big defenders of Tron Legacy. I love the original, as cheesy as it is. I love Legacy. I love where it's going. Some really intriguing plot points. I want to see that greenlit by Disney, but I understand that that's just going to be on the back burner because they're too busy making money elsewhere with Frozen and the whole, the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe. So... I'm not holding my breath for a a third Tron movie. But meanwhile, we're getting shit that no one asked for. Gran Turismo, Blade Runner 2. (sighs) When's it going to end?
1: When people stop buying it. And for the last decade, we've been talking about this and people keep buying it. So I don't know what it is. I don't don't know if it's people chasing nostalgia, trying to relive their childhood, introduce their kids and, and this generation to that stuff. Um, or if people are really that stupid and ignorant. And part of me kind of feels bad about saying that, but it's still selling. You know, we had two Smurf movies. Who the fuck wanted that? And who paid for tickets to go watch that?
0: <laughs>
2: and who said, I want Katy Perry, Katy Perry as Smurfette? That, that, that's the deal breaker right there.
1: Okay. But again, that that's the headline on the kiosk, you know, and Katy Perry as. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God.
2: Now, I know we're a geek news podcast, but I had to talk about this because, you know, sometimes, you know, me me and Steve like the harder stuff and, and we love old school Metallica, right? Metallica uh, uh, issued a uh, press release this week talking about they're going to be reissuing all their old stuff with new CD and vinyl versions of everything. And the thing that caught my eye and ear is the fact that they're going to be doing a record store day exclusive of their original demo cassette from 1982 no life to leather. One of the, one of the, one of the big things that, that music collectors are, are out there trying to find because, you know, it's impossible. It's one of those things that Lars Ulrich, you know, duplicated himself, uh, in LA back in the day and mailed it himself to, to places unknown all over the world. Uh, so we're actually going to get the expanded CD and vinyl editions coming later in the summer. But if you have a cassette player or just want something cool, no life to leather drops on, uh, record store day in April and features these seven songs that were originally on the 1982 demo all except one ended up on the debut album Kill 'em All. So, Steve, knowing that your love of of old school Metallica does this wet your appetite at all, knowing that it is coming out on 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 formats that you do have.
1: You know, it it didn't wet my appetite, but it wet something else. And I kind of wish I had a wank band last night when I I saw this crawl across my social media. Actually, it was your post that I saw. And uh Metallica is a band that just, I think, means so much to us, to an entire generation, really popularizing and mainstreaming that metal sound, that organic, innocent, embodied metal sound. And, and, uh, in their, their next lineup, when, when Kirk Hammett and, uh, Cliff Burton came on board, I, I will forever remember Metallica as that lineup. Now, what's interesting, as you mentioned, th- this is their uh, it's actually their second demo they ever released. There, there was one previous to this and I read Lars's interview with Rolling Stone and he never went into t- detail about whatever uh, came with that first demo. But this demo here it does not have Cliff Burton on bass. I actually forget their first bass player's name offhand. And, um, Dave Mustaine, who later went on to found Megadeth on lead guitar. And you hear a difference, certainly in the song structure with, with the uh, riffage on the guitars between, uh, Kirk. And, um, Dave Mustaine, Kirk is more a bluesy guitarist. He, he is, in my opinion, after Jimi Hendrix, the master of the wah pedal. It's just incredible how he can make his guitar sing. Mustaine was certainly faster, more, more hard edge, more metal. So you hear a different Metallica. And that's what got me really excited to hear that lightning captured in a bottle version of Metallica coming out in a relatively uh, pristine format. Um, Lars did also go on to clarify that they didn't fuck with the mix too much. They didn't want to make this like super pristine and, you know, CD quality. You still want it to hear, it's a demo this is this is an early cut of very raw Metallica, so that's very exciting. kind of the fuck you to you, Kyle, is that we just talked about double dipping, and I know you're gonna double dip on this because it, it's kind of limited this first release uh in terms of tracks, and then later on they're gonna release, I'm assuming uh, a box set of a huge collection of old, oh, yeah. so
2: yeah, because yeah, the c d and vinyl editions will be expanded at least they're admitting it up front. It's like, all right, so you can get this record store day cassette. Which means that most people will have to have a cassette player to even play the damn thing, unless they're just collectors and they're going to pay, you know, upwards of 40, 50 bucks for something that probably retails for less than 20. Um, and then, you know, the vinyl, uh, market, which is, you know, slowly making a dent, but vinyl costs more than CDs. Even though we are a generation of MP3 for the, for the vinyl collectors out there, man, all the, all the record labels, even though Metallica has their own blackened records label, but it's still distributed through, probably Warner Electra or whatever. Um, you know, these big conglomerates are still just raking in the dough saying, "All right, we're going to charge uh, $50 for Metallica because someone out there is going to buy it." And possibly me because I had those original albums on vinyl back when I was in high school, back when they first came out. And I like reliving those days. I got Iron Maiden's reissued albums, and that that took me back to the you know the eighties, and including uh, releases of seven inch singles that I didn't even have back then, that weren't even available except as imports.
1: I had Metallica's Ride the Lightning on a picture disc. Do you remember those?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. And if you get picture disc, you put it on the vinyl, and it it sounds like it's like because it's not meant to be played; it's meant to be displayed
1: yeah, you're you're scratching up all the whatever they use, silk screening or whatever, on top of the vinyl. Um, it was back in the day of back patches and everything. And yeah, um, I, I can't say it enough what an inspiration Metallica was to me um, and how it's influenced my, my music career over the years. I remember um, 4th of July when uh, St. Anger came out. My wife and I went to go see them. We got some really sweet um, VIP seating. At the stadium that the Patriots play in, Gillette Stadium up in Foxborough. And, um, watching them play their old stuff is incredible. And as I've said before, I love Robert Chihilo on bass. He, uh, formerly from Suicidal Tendencies, which is another one of my, uh, very influential, important bands. And he, he plays like I do, the bass around the knees, not, not way up high on the chest. And he's slapping the fuck out of it. And it's just, a uh, it kind of brought the metal back to metallica but when they said playing play the tracks from Saint anger my wife and i looked at each other coyly and we just walked out that was the end of the show for us
2: <laughs> well i saw metallica i think um, at least twice one of them it was so shrill that I, I just couldn't stand it it's like where's the bass turn up the bass and that's something that i'll give uh bob rock when they did the black album and everyone says oh that's when they this went mainstream and They turned to shit, but I was like, wow, I can hear a bass guitar now. This is, this is pleasant to the ear.
1: I was listening to, um, Master of Puppets earlier in my truck and in my stereo. I've got the EQ set to really bottom out the bass. And that's always been the kicker with Metallica. They've, Lars and James have been so against people hearing the bass. And there's only two (coughs) tracks on the, um, there's only two tracks on the Master of Puppets album where you can, kind of hear Cliff's bass cutting through the, the mid-range guitar and uh, and then Justice For All, which I think is the the joke on all bass players where they eliminated um, Jason Newset's bass from virtually every track on the album. You can turn it up as loud as you want and EQ it up as much as you want. There's no bass guitar to be heard. So in a way, it's kind of positive to hear them punching up the bass, but in my opinion, and again, kids, uh, at BB Broadcast, I think there isn't a good Metallica album after and justice for all.
2: Well, there you go. And, and if they're remastering all of them, I'm wondering if they'll kick up the bass. Uh, I wonder if they, and if they'll, if they'll change the mix on St. Anger, you know, the, 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 drum sound and all that stuff, all the controversial, even the mix on death magnetic fans were bitching
0: about.
1: And it's wild because the earlier 80 mixes are more on point uh, as a bass player. Um, of course, I want to hear more bass. When Overkill debuted, that was shocking to me to have the bass so up in the mix. I mean, in some cases, overpowering the guitar. So I understand you want to find that happy medium. But yeah, I'd love to hear particularly Cliff's bass brought up because he, he was so influ- influential to me as a bass player and showing that the bass player wasn't just a stone guy in the corner um, without a spotlight on him, that the bass player can actually be the center stage. And and when you watch him play his classic bass solo, Anesthesia, it's just, it'll bring tears to your eyes. It's incredible.
2: Yeah, yeah. So there's only a few tabs left open on the web browsers for uh, this episode of the Big Ball Broadcast. Let's talk about this one. This is pretty interesting. Taco Bell unleashing a new Concoction. What
1: is this all about? This seems like something that I think you might go out and try. <laughs> um, now, you know, they're still absolutely drunk with power following their success of their amazingly not horrible breakfast menu. And Taco Bell has now created giant crunch berries filled with a warm milky cream. And, of course, there's a testicle joke to be made there, but I won't stoop to that level. Um now, this is in the beta testing stage. I believe it's only in California right now. Um, in only in Bakersfield, California. So if you're in a Bakersfield area, fly out to your Taco Bell and you can try these giant crunch berries filled with, uh, cream and they're deep fried and I'm sure they're oh so healthy for you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually, uh, it's rolled in the actual, actual breakfast cereal and it's not the, the oops, all berries. It's, got Captain Crunch and berry residue all over it. And the pictures are certainly not appealing at all. But I guess that's kind of been a Taco Bell thing. You know, they they, they team up with some of the, the more well-known names out there, and they've teamed up with Mountain Dew and, uh, of course, with Doritos. So, hey, Captain Crunch, why the fuck not?
2: Yeah, my daughter loves the Mountain Dew uh, freezer blast thing that they have. And I love the Doritos Locos Tacos because having the Doritos as the shell it's pretty fucking amazing. I'll I'll give him that.
1: Uh, I will as well. Absolutely pretty fucking amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah. I get the fiery one. Do you go for the hot one there, or what's your favorite? Oh,
1: absolutely. I have to ask for fire sauce all the time, and even that doesn't really do it for me. But yeah, the hotter, the better.
2: <laughs> In our chat room, Mr. Haru has typed, fuck Taco Bell. Those assholes keep avoiding bringing back the beefy crunch burrito or volcano menu. Interesting. I I don't frequent Taco Bell enough. to to know i used to back in my teenage days uh and then i moved to la back in 2005 so the past 10 years i have seen uh del taco be more accessible than taco bell i live down the street from a del taco and i like del taco a lot but sometimes you just crave you just crave that taco bell flavor
1: you know, it's really unfortunate on the East Coast because we don't have a lot of those options. I mean, if you want your sloppy bastardized version of Mexican, Taco Bell is pretty much your only option. I do appreciate the fact that they brought back the chili cheese burritos. That was a staple back in my early metal days. We'd Go over quite a few towns because for a very long time we didn't even have a, uh, Taco Bell within reasonable driving distance, and um, we'd go out to Guitar Center or whatever, and we made it a point gotta stop at Taco Bell, gotta get some uh, some chili cheese burritos. That was the shit back in the day.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's funny you mentioned shit because you know Taco Bell, people you know make a run for the bathroom instead of the border. That was that was that was a big deal for a lot of people, although. I would have Jack in the box, and that shit would tear me up. Their ultimate cheeseburger tasted so good, but I would pay for it.
1: Isn't there a joke about In-N-Out and their sliders?
2: Possibly. I mean, In-N-Out kind of sounds more like porn to me, but, I mean, it goes in you, and then it comes out of you probably in a very painful way. Uh but yeah, people are very prideful about their local burgers, especially here in the LA area in California. We're all about in and out. Although I'll be honest, now that I've been here for ten years and I've tried other burger chains, I know for a fact there's a better burger than In N Out. And I try to take all the people visiting town, it's like, No, you don't want that. That's that's touristy and trendy. Let's go over here and have this. This is worth talking about.
1: You gotta come over here and have chowder. We got chowder. And we got lobster rolls. So have your chowder and lobster.
2: Your chowder and lobster. Oh, I'd be all about that. Holy fuck. That'd be great.
1: It's delish. But, you know, I'm, I'm envious of, of you as well. And I have very fond memories of, of visiting Texas and getting more legitimate, less bastardized Mexican. And, again, it's just not an option here.
2: Yeah. Like Whataburger, says Hero 004, which everyone in Texas was just called Whataburger. Even though it's what a burger, but we throw it all together, like water burger. It's like, what's a water burger? Is there, is there water on it? like no, 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 it's just how we say it because we're from Texas and we're idiots.
1: My first couple of trips to Texas, I was so fucking confused. Um, another thing you can certainly testify firsthand the the crack to me in Texas was chick-fil-A because we don't have a chick-fil-A here, and that was just fucking heaven on a bun.
2: Mhm. Yeah, yeah. And if you're feeling like I don't want to support them because they're anti-gay, there's recipes online. You can you can make the Chick-fil-A sandwich at home. But sometimes I just got to admit it, I'm lazy. I don't want to cook anything. I'm just going to go and and drive through somewhere and and get get what i want in that moment i'm not going to worry about all that other shit that that's swirling around it and all that stuff because you know honestly you go everywhere there's going to be someone in management the cashier the manager the whatnot someone is if someone somewhere has probably got belief systems different than you things that you would would be appalled at but you're not going to sit there and boycott everything because you got to live life at some point
1: Absolutely. And you know, I can't think of a better segue with you talking about living life and dealing with difficulties. I'm actually, um, I'm, I'm quite impressed with Facebook and I know gasp shock, you know, they're, they're evil for uh faceless corporation stripping away privacy of the youth. Um, but what they're doing, I I do have to applaud them and and tip my hat because they rolled out a new feature feature at the end of last month where, if you see a post on your wall from a friend and it's a worry, worrying status, you're afraid that they uh may do harm to themselves or somebody else, they can actually help that friend contact another friend for support or contact a suicide hotline. So the way it works is if you do see a post that concerns you, you can report it to Facebook using this uh new interface that specifically tags as an area of concern, and Facebook will respond to them and let them know that – um your friends feel that you're in immediate danger and you can call, um, emergency services or get other type of help. And, and, uh, they'll connect you with a trained helper, or or they'll connect you to a friend that you, um, dictate. You'll get a, uh, an alert. So they, um, this is on Buzzfeed. They have some pictures of the interface, what it looks like. And, um, it looks pretty streamlined and kind of gets right down to the point. And they also have some, uh, Embedded videos about people who contemplated or actually even attempted suicide, talking about um, some of the realities of going through such difficult situations, and uh, they also send you some suggestions that can help you get through some harder times, like going outside, being creative, soothing your senti- senses, or just relaxing. And there's kind of some bullet points that help you guide through th- you th- through that process. Um, but yeah, again, overall, it, I'm I'm happy. To see again this corporation that a lot of perceive, a lot of people perceive as this big evil corporate entity, actually taking this concern pretty seriously because on social media, admittedly, if you're going to get somebody's uh, cry for help, it's going to be through a platform like this.
2: Yeah, it is a really good thing. It's it it's a classy move, as uh, they said in the chat room here, as we record our shows on Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh Follow us at BB Broadcast so you can check the link out where you can see our chat room and listen to our live audio stream. Um Yeah, it's a good thing. It's certainly better than, you know, having the feeling that you're sitting there replying to someone's thread that's really depressing and then you say something and then you feel responsible if that person offs themselves. It's like, oh, shit, am I the reason? Am I the one responsible for this?
1: What I think is a little more... Disconcerting is the people that don't take it seriously and start playing into it because you have somebody who's potentially very susceptible to those types of ideas and all your friends are like, yeah, do it. Um, you, there's videos on YouTube, I, I'm sure, um, of jumpers in the United States, people on the Golden Gate Bridge or in New York or whatever, and, and you see crowds form chanting jump. And that's a pretty fucked up phenomenon. I don't know if it happens in other countries. Um, but I, I echo. What what Mr. Harris said in the chat that was definitely a classy move on Facebook for people that you may perceive as needing some help.
2: Yeah, it's like let's get away from Running Man and Hunger Games type, uh, you know, horrific. It's like come on, kill yourself, go ahead. And all the cyberbullying and all that stuff goes. So yeah, it's it, it is a it is a very very positive thing. And um on that note. It looks like we are at that time, folks. We we've got we've got content. We got it out there. Uh special shout out to our chatters in the chat room tonight. Hero zero zero four, Mr. Haru, Robert J, yourself, Otherworld Steve, myself, Kyle Abear, and my girlfriend, right or wrong. Yay, we love that. Uh again, check uh the show notes for the link uh to make. Leonard Nimoy, a star. You <laughs> know, I said that wrong. Make a star into Leonard Nimoy. Naming a star in, in in the universe after the late great Leonard Nimoy. We're gonna put that petition link in the show notes. So um, again, thank you all for listening. Until next time, this is Kyle Bear.
1: and this is Otherworld Steve. See ya.
2: Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by shine Perimeter of the Void, and Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at.
0: At BB Broadcast and email the broadcast at gmail.com. Smodcast fans. It's Edumacation Andy here with an exciting message from your friends at Smodco. Do you like having fun? Do you like a great night on the town? Well, set those desires aside because on March 28th me and Kevin Smith will be doing Edumacation Live at Pasadena's famous Ice House. That's right. Kevin Smith of film and podcast fame and me, Edumication Andy of the guy that is talking right now, will be on stage at a comedy club bringing you fun facts and silly science. The stuff that makes Edumacation the factoid-friendly party podcast you've come to know and like. If all goes right, you'll get the sigh, the fi, the why in the by and a special experiment on i mean with jason muse so log on to csmod.com and click on the Edumication ad for tickets that's csmod.com for Edumication live at the ice house in pasadena march 28th see you there
2: this has been a production of smodco internet radio sir only at smodcast.com